I've always felt that as the world's world, being the digital world, becomes much more fragmented in terms of messaging, platforms, channels, et cetera, like the ability to create trends becomes much more difficult. This is Making It Up, co-hosted by Sharice Poon and Eugene Can. All right, Eugene, this week you chose a Blackbird spy plane, the Unbeatable Recon newsletter. A, their article from September 27th, you're locked in a prison of trends. Do you even want to escape it? A major new masterpiece of contemplation. All right, so why this piece? Blackbird spy plane, consistently good. Why in particular are you interested in trends? Before we get started, one thing I have to say about Blackbird is that I really appreciate how convoluted and confusing some of their writing is because it forces you to be on your toes to understand very... I guess it is pretty niche pocket of like men's Are we wear saying fashion niche culture. just to make ourselves feel good? Like, is Blackbird's Spy Plane really that niche? Okay, if, relative to hypebeast, I think Okay, it's relative to hypebeast, it is. But I, I strongly right? believe there's like a large portion of the people we know who read this newsletter. I don't want to offend anyone with that because that in itself could be part of a broader discussion with oh, this shit. topic. Okay. But, yeah, I mean. Accidentally offending people. But but I think that in general, it's, it's just interesting because- for me, having not traveled for like three years until just recently, sometimes writing and, and consuming content is the closest you get to like seeing what's going on in other parts of the world, right? In a more in a more substantial way versus like looking at a photo or whatnot. It's like actually a deeper dive into like thoughts and whatnot, right? So that's for me like why why it's so interesting to read, you know, interesting, thought-provoking, uh, compelling writing. And even obviously vocabulary, all that stuff is is very different. I think that, you know, who who's the number one sort of arbiter or like the the biggest determinants of soft power and it still is for the most part in entertainment, it's gonna be like to a degree what's happening in the US. Right. So I think that's like undeniable in that case. But the reason why I thought that was interesting was that I've always felt that as the world's world being the digital world becomes much more fragmented in terms of messaging, platforms, channels, et cetera like the ability to create trends becomes much more difficult. And if you remember on last week's episode, we were talking about a trend in fashion called coquette. Like for whatever reason, we hadn't heard of it. It it picked up in 2021. Like it's just not something that's in our part of the world or, or where our we demographic online. We have to admit, whatever, we have to all admit those our things, age right? range, right? I, I highly suspect it's not there, our age range. There's so many layers that are being kind of like, put on top of each other, different people are entering, other people are exiting. So like the whole trend thing is just really hard to kind of forecast if that's your thing, like like predicting trends. Part of me looking at what constitutes a trend today and how are they formed and what is like kind of the future of trends, more from like a quasi-interest standpoint. But as I, I was going to talk about this later, but I think that the reason why people love trends so much is that it's a way for you to make money off of it. A lot of people want to so be sad. on a trend for various reasons. I mean, I was trying to think of like, uh, you know what? I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll have to save it. Otherwise, I'm going to front load everything. Okay. Okay. Well, do you want to give people but, um, a big picture of this BBSP 
newsletter? Yes. So it all starts off with a reader question from Camille. Do you think it's actually possible to escape trend cycles? Blackbird puts it, trends are the aggregate effect of individual taste coming temporarily into alignment. People with great taste can spark trends, cool ones, and so can people with horrible taste, whack ones. Marketers and other people with vested financial interests in selling different kinds of things at different times do their best to spark trends too. Many trends start off cool and then become whack because a substantial part of the value of any trend lies in its relationships to novelty and edge, which by definition diminishes as time passes and or more people join the wave. This is why it's broadly seen as dope to be early to a cool trend and corny to be late. Good definition. And so well written. That was really well written, yeah. right? Man, I read this stuff and I'm like, I really got to get back into writing. You you only get yeah, this good yeah. with practice. Yeah, writing is like a muscle. Like you have to train it and you have to like work it. So according to BPSP, they suggest that you need to develop your own framework to participate within the endless trend cycle. Meaning, you know what trends to hop onto and which trends that you let pass by. So I think that kind of answers the initial question, right? I think how people arrive at that is a little bit down to understanding the different types of trends. And they have this interesting graphic. Obviously, it's a podcast. You can't see it. But they have three types of trends. They have macro trends, which are basically big swings, like going from a wide pant to a narrow pant, going from a lot of colors to monochromatic. Uh, and they also have this interesting term they dub stochastic and isolated mm -hmm. trends, which basically means like random and unpredictable trends, which I think, to be honest, I guess they are random and unpredictable. But I think for the most part, think it's things are so much that it means defined. random and unpredictable so much as it means non-cyclical. To a degree, if you look up stochastic as a meaning, it it actually means random. OK, well, I think in the context of this chart. The key focus isn't random as in like appear out of nowhere. It might feel like it appeared out of nowhere, but more so that it is unlikely that you would see a resurgence of this trend that pops up versus yeah, a cyclical I guess based trend. Off the examples like they a use, cyclical yeah. is like pants is a good one. Wide pants to skinny pants, back to wide pants, back to skinny pants. This is, this is going to be an ongoing cycle as long as people are wearing pants. Okay. Like the width of mm -hmm. pants. And then stochastic is going to be something that supposedly randomly emerges like PVC shoes, which ha had yes. its moment and is unlikely to suddenly have a, another moment in a predictable way, in a cyclical way. When I was thinking of like when I wrote that definition, I think for me at the very core, there's like markers of a trend bubbling up. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Right? I, I, agree. Like, I, I don't, understand why you, you yeah. fight back against random because it's not totally random. Yeah. Like you can kind of see when something pops up. But, but yeah. before we yeah. move on to talk more about the trend matrix and macro, micro, nano, cyclical, stochastic. When I read the paragraph about you needing to have like BBSP saying you should have your own framework of personal taste and that's what you use to sort out your relationship to trends i was like that's what i need mm -hmm. like a guidebook on like i need to know how do you develop that framework your personal taste framework and i thought i, I thought that's I'd ask really it to weird you. though because when did you discover what that's did you really discover weird your to hear from you though taste? why is I it mean, weird it to hear from me you in general have the ability to like critically dissect something and if you have that same framework and it's worked for other things like which book I'm going to read, it's 
just as applicable to like fashion. That's very generous. Like it's just, it just, that's very generous of you. No, but like it's, it's kind of like it, it, it's, it's honestly, in my opinion, that simple. It's like if you know how to like arrive at a decision or a conclusion in one field that's like your expertise, to a degree, it's not that hard to arrive at that same conclusion in a different domain. Obviously, the, the output may be a little bit, a little bit different, but I think that you've kind of done it in one way. It just It just looks a little bit different when you apply it to fashion. Yeah, but I think what I struggle with right? here- like, What are the questions maybe, you would ask yourself? Maybe other people can resonate with is like, yeah, I am able to like critically reflect on brands or fashion from this like analytical point of view, but I do not think that I have a good view on what I look like and how things look on me. And I don't think this is for my lack of like critical thinking. I think this is from- I mean, okay, this is so That's like personal therapy, honestly, but this is like from growing up and having been criticized, like from from a body image perspective. I, I'm not. I, mean, I don't I even think that... I was like bullied. Like I don't think I had the worst out of like people growing up, but I I received yeah. my fair share but... of like comments on my weight and my skin and my hair and the clothes I picked. So that yeah. even now. As a fully grown adult who can afford clothes, I still lack confidence in being able to say, okay, yeah. this is this is my taste and this is what makes me feel good. Very sad, I know. That that's a really interesting way of putting it, because I obviously didn't think of it that way. And for me, I fashion was always relatively easy on the basis that you found ways to create self-justification on why you like something. And that was almost the easiest way to like kind of exude some sort of like vibe or whatever it was to people around you. Like just, you know, to turn around, like let's say you're picking a book, like, oh, what's the story about? What's the author? What's the author's story? What's his style? Like these are all things that generally speaking are applicable, right? And I think when it came to fashion, it was like, hey, you know what? I I know what brands I like because of this story. This is how it's supposed to fit. How does it look on me relative to how it looks on like a, a lookbook model? Okay, it looks different, but like, am I... Do I feel like it still looks good on me because of X, Y, Z? Because the details still look nice. I don't know. Some shit like that, right? So I don't know. I, I've i never been into fashion, but I've also never thought fashion was that hard because everyone's so fucking insecure in fashion that like, as long as you're the one with some confidence, then all like smooth sailing. No, I definitely admire that in you. You you have a very rock solid idea of your personal taste. And even if you didn't, you would never let it show externally i was told by a client talking to someone he's like yeah whatever you design don't design it to eugene's <sighs> taste because he has a very particular taste and like that's not what the market <laughs> wants and i was like yeah it's probably that's high praise true. to be sold to, to be told okay sorry I'm, I'm giving away my position to say that's high praise right like you're, you're part of the nano trend yeah. community which maybe we yeah. should explain okay yeah next the the trends after macro is obviously micro like these are more like small details where different pockets and demos each have their own interpretation of a trend. Uh, for example, you know, lately Adidas Sambas have have gotten really popular or like that sort of like terror shoe. Somebody wearing that uh, after a game, after a game of futsal, uh, like a 45-year-old dad versus someone wearing it in a more fashion context, right? Different. Same as like, you know, Arcteryx on a middle-aged white dude in Vancouver versus Someone in Harajuku. Yeah, trends are really dependent on context and audience. I think this micro trend aspect is like 
kind of the sweet spot of interesting stuff because demographic interpretation is kind of what defines like why they like it. And then finally, nano trends. These are trends that are like super nerdy, super otaku, and they operate in a world where almost nobody cares about them besides a very small demographic. So an example would be like, you know, Sharice noticing that that person's wearing, oh, he's got a Rolex on. And then maybe some watch enthusiast or actually no one uses that. I, I, I called someone a watch enthusiast once and I, they immediately were like, hey, you don't like watches, do you? And I'm like, yep, you're right. <laughs> but anyways. What are you wait, supposed to call them if they're not I watching? I don't know. Enthusiasts? Whatever. Whatever it is, right? What's the non-offensive way? BDSP yeah. writes, a normie might notice that you're wearing a Rolex. In other words, but only a heavy in the game, nano-brained watch freak will peep that it's one, a Daytona with two, a tridium dial, and three, painted indices where four, the leftmost subdial is aligned perfectly with the nine o'clock marker. So details like that are the data trend. Yeah. So I think ultimately, like I said, my whole interest in this whole thing was just like understanding how these trends take place and at what level each of those individual trends further bubble up i think i used that word before but like because i think ultimately anything that we see now that that operates as a trend needs to have a a seed right like a, a bit of germination and i think a lot of that germination incubation really has to happen with stories or like content that's created around it because i think the story is what gets people excited like why do i need to care about those sambas now and why they're relevant now and they were less relevant you know five years ago when they were sitting at the at the bargain store. No, I mean, what's interesting for me or what was like new of a thought from this newsletter was this idea that the micro and nano trends are not the same micro and nano trends across the board. And you can be knowledgeable in specific micro and nano trends that are relevant to you mm-hmm. and your community, your audience, whoever you are dressing for. So... Yeah. That's exciting to me because I used to think, I think like back when we were at Hypebeast and like maybe when I just started at Hypebeast, I was like, okay, so like the cool sneaker of the summer is always going to be the cool sneaker across the board. The Nike Roche, the NMD. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought, you know, like just pictured like globally, this is the case. But actually it's more interesting than that. There could be specific micro nano trends for you know, not just Hong Kong, but like, let's say, like the Hong Kong TST to Hong Kong 18 to 24 yes. year old. Like that kind of narrower community has micro and nano trends that they, that they communicate through like this, this language that like, only they can understand. And the, that's quite cool. To yeah. Like the, the one look that I see, and I, when I was in Singapore, I saw it too, is like this kind of industrious like gothic raver look where you know really baggy pants sometimes hardware on them and someone would wear like a white button-up shirt and i think that was like something i saw a lot now you see a lot with like creative kids in hong kong as well and i think those are things that are more that are more interesting because you're like to a degree there's been a flattening of trends where you know if you're going to open a a coffee shop in melbourne there's a good chance someone might copy you and open it in hong kong but fashion itself still has a degree of autonomy and just having like s- subtrends, if that makes sense. Because maybe it's, it's just 
easier for you to take something and run with it and and switch it much quicker. Whereas like, you know, obviously fitting out a cafe requires a level of commitment. Like you can't switch it and renovate it every every three months. Yeah, that's true. It is a much more affordable type of experimentation. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, why do you think people like trends or follow trends? Well, I mean, I totally agree with a later paragraph. There's so many parts of this I agree. I'm just such a huge BBSP fangirl. Uh, there's a paragraph where it says, this is because clothes are, like other creative forms, a language that we use to communicate within the cultural marketplace. You could call us jocks derada, the way we guarantee you it's impossible to escape language. You can speak beautifully, you can speak in the lingus slang or in an archaic tongue, you can speak gibberish, but you cannot opt out of speaking. And I think that's why people are interested in trends, even if they say they're not interested in trends, or even if they claim to not be aware of trends. Ultimately, we cannot, we do not exist outside of trends. Yeah. Because even anti-trend is to be aware of what the trend is. So yeah. I think philosophically that's why trends are important yeah and it's hard, it's hard to self-reflect i mean i think i know what you, you earlier when we we're talking about like my own personal sense of taste and you were like if you can critically think about things and ask good questions and you can you know handle yourself when it comes to fashion but i think there are aspects of fashion that are difficult for people to trace back that relationship you know the gothic rocker I'm I'm not confident that everyone who dresses like that can say, you know, what is compelling me to dress like this? I, I think that we are just subliminally aware. Because, I mean, for me, trends are always interesting because at any given moment in time, like participation in trend is, as they put in the language form, it's like, it's a common language, right? And it, 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 in a And in a time and place when, you know, it's hard for people to, to kind of like speak the same language or to connect. Like it's just a form of connection, really. In a way, you and I are participating in a trend. We're both wearing black t-shirts. Mm, is that a trend or a personal? I would yeah, say it is a trend. I don't know. Let's call it a macro trend. Is it a macro trend? Macro? I, I would definitely say it is a trend amongst creative people to wear black. Huh. And I yeah, think I mean, that us wearing black is participating. I mean, I could also argue that it's for functional purposes, but that also is a trend to pursue function. Function, so, function as fashion, also a trend. Uh, but I feel like that kind of just like, when you abstract everything away, then nothing and everything is a trend. That's because everything is a trend. Everything, everything. Yeah. Trend isn't just trend of the moment or like most popular trend. It just means that there are trends Yeah. in yeah. terms of what is, what you can use to communicate with. Yeah. And like what your choices say about you. I mean, I'm wearing a Casio watch. That's definitely a trend. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I could point to so many different parts of like my outfit. Probably. I'm wearing high-waisted pants. I know high-waisted pants is a trend right now. I'm yeah. aware of this, like a macro trend. Let's not, let's not further dissect. What would you say to someone who is coming up in fashion and wanting to write and think analytically about fashion? Think back to your high beast editorial days, okay? But now you you you've been out of the game for a while. Fuck. What would you say to this like young writer, critical thinker? Like, what's important for them to be aware? What's important for them to be questioning? I think it. So this this goes back to my initial argument that if you have a framework that 
serves as a guiding principle across virtually all the work you create or you you see that comes across your your desk or not it's like asking like why does this exist and like understanding articulating why you think it should exist or should not exist right and it's such a simple and easy exercise but like a lot of people lose sight of this and if you can answer it and you can justify it i think that in itself it clarifies thoughts and ideas This is Making It Up, co-hosted by Sharice Poon and Eugene Can. 